Hi, this is Big Talk. Michael Glab here. As part of our Deep Dive project, in cooperation with Limestone Post magazine, we're continuing our series of interviews with people responsible for, and advocating for, a clean Lake Monroe. My article on the future of the lake, as our source of safe drinking water now and in the future, will run in the Limestone Post in August with weekly follow-up reports the rest of that month right here on WFHB. This week, our guest is Vic Kelson, Director of Utilities for the City of Bloomington. Go to limestonepost.com for a new deep dive article every month. Go to wfhb.org for the full archive of Big Talk editions. Now, here's our conversation with Vic Kelson. Is the water we're drinking safe right now? Yes, and and we can prove it. We take water samples every hour at the water treatment plant. We take water uh, samples through our our distribution system every day uh, to make sure uh, that the disinfection levels are are where they should be. Uh, we do this every single day, and uh, we publish a consumer confidence report every year. You oh. can download that from our website if you're on paper bills, you'll get a copy of, of the Consumer Confidence Report in the mail, but you can also download it from our website. So if you go to uh, bloomington.in.gov slash utilities, uh, you can get a copy of our Consumer Confidence Report. So let me get back to that. That, that, that. that one's a shocker to me. You test the water every hour? during and At the treatment plant, yes. We, tre- we test the water every hour. We're always monitoring uh, various to make sure that there's enough disinfection to make sure that uh, that uh, the, we measure the turbidity, the amount of cloudiness that's remaining in the water. Huh. Uh, we measure all of those things all the time. How do you get rid of that turbidity? Well, when the water comes from the lake, it's got a lot of solids suspended in it, right. and uh, the process of of treating it is actually uh, there's three processes involved. There's coagulation, which is uh, we add a chemical alum that breaks down electric charges on the particles so they'll stick together. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they f- they form small particles the- that get bigger and bigger. And then when they get big enough, they sink. So then uh, after we've uh, let all of those flocculate and-, and-, and sink, then we filter it and we disinfect it. And then we make sure that it's got uh, appropriate level of disinfection of uh, disinfectant that goes into the distribution system uh-huh. uh, all the way to your tap. So uh, the, we're required to make sure that uh, there's a low level of uh, chloramine disinfection going on at all times, all the way to your tap. Yeah. So when we sample the water, we sample it from taps around the city uh-huh. and, and then uh, test them to make sure that, that, that that's all working properly. Now, I recall back about six years, maybe seven years ago, uh, there was a change in process. You, you, you delayed the introduction of the chlorine-like substance. That's right. In order that it wouldn't be in the water too long, because that can be a, a, an issue. That's right. Organic ma- or dissolved organic materials that are in the water can react with... Uh, the chlorine that we use to disinfect the water. And, of course, disinfection, we're killing organisms like Giardia that can cause a lot of health issues. Yeah. So that disinfectant can react with organic material in the water and form what are called disinfection byproducts. Yes. 
those byproducts uh, are suspected carcinogens, uh-huh. and uh, we have uh, limits that are uh, that are in the regulations for uh, how much of each of those categories of of disinfection byproducts can be in the water, and it's on an annual average basis. Where do those limits come from? Is that uh, federally mandated limits? They're federally mandated, and it's based on uh, an epidemiological study and risk assessment that EPA did. So then in the wintertime, those reactions that can form those byproducts happen a lot more slowly than they do in the summertime. And of course, that they're related to the reactions we're trying to do, which is reacting the chlorine with the organisms we're trying to kill. Right. So in the wintertime, we feed uh, chlorine before it goes into the settling basins. Huh. Uh, in the summertime, we don't. We turn that off. That's the change we made in 2016 uh, because when the water's warm, those reactions happen a lot faster. So we don't need as much disinfectant contact with the water uh, in the summer as we do in the winter. Now, I have found out that uh, the blue-green algae Mm -hmm. that, you know, uh, always pops up around August, September, that's not algae. It's bacteria. They're bacteria. Well, yeah, they're little bags of of some sort of fluid. But, yeah, blue-green algae are are cyanobacteria. Cyanobacteria. And we, we want that neutralized before it hits our tongues. Right. The, the, the blue greens, uh, when they're, when they're in, when they're, we have really high populations of blue greens in the water, uh, they, they carry with them, uh, chemicals called, uh, geosmin and MIB methyl isobutyol. And those, uh, and better they, you than me. <laughs> uh, and, and they're not hazardous. They, they don't have any uh, health effects, but they do make the water smell like a lake or taste like a lake. Until 2017, that happened every summer for months. We had uh-huh. hundreds and hundreds of complaints. In 2017, as part of our efforts to reduce disinfection byproducts, we started feeding powdered activated carbon at the plant. And one of the side benefits of that was it took out the MIB and the geosmin until the last two summers when we had some long dry spells and then we had some big algal blooms in the lake, huh. and it was more than our treatment could handle. So uh, this year we're doing uh, what's called jar testing. We create uh, simulated raw water, then we then we test it. We test different kinds of treatment approaches to see that if we can increase the amount of those things we can take out in case we have another algal bloom like that this year. We went almost five years with no customer complaints for taste and odor. But then, Although people, people but then still they say us. it. They say it. They say it. Yeah. yeah. You said raw water. Do you go out at all into the lake and get a bucket of water at all? Well, we sample once an hour. <laughs> the raw water, the, we have a pipe with, that pumps the raw water up from the lake. Right. Well, there's a tap on that pipe that goes to our laboratory. So oh. we sample raw water in the laboratory so we can compare all of these all of the different properties of the water all the way through the treatment process. The so you know, what's, you know what's in there before you put your hands on that, it. That's right. So we're always monitoring what's in the raw water as well as what's happening at different points in the treatment process. How long is it from the opening of the intake pipe to your vats? Your, to the I basins, assume you have raw um, storage vats. Well, we bring it up and we add the chemicals and put it right in the basin. So, uh-huh. so we don't store any raw water at uh-huh. the plant. But yeah, you know, it's a quarter of a mile, half a mile up the hill. 
yeah. uh, from, the, from the intake to the plant. Which brings up another point that uh, conserving water also conserves energy and fossil fuel and all that because I assume it's working on electricity. Yes. And uh, your bill, I'm glad you're paying it and not me. And we do have solar panels at the plant that, uh-huh. that, uh, that reduce, our, uh, reduce our electric usage a bit. Are you able to say what percentage of reduction there is? It depends on the the, the time of year, uh-huh. and it depends on how big the rates are. But it's 10%, 15%, I think, typically. So what kind of pollutants can be found in raw water, the raw water of Lake Monroe? Well, for Indiana, Lake Monroe is one of the best sources of, of drinking water other than Lake Michigan uh, that, that we really have. We're right near the top of the watershed. Uh-huh. Uh, if you look upstream from us, there's only one wastewater treatment plant. That's in Nashville. It's not right. very big. Um, so we, we actually have really good raw water quality. And part of the reason for that is decisions that have been made by citizens in Bloomington and Monroe County uh, to protect the watershed. Uh, 70% or more of our watershed is forested. So we're not uh-huh. talking a lot of, about a lot of urbanization. Uh, there, are, there is some farming, uh, mostly in Brown and Jackson counties. But by and large, it's, it's, a, it's a good source of water. But it's, a, it's changing with time. As, uh, as time goes on, nutrients will tend to accumulate uh, in, the, in the lake water. That helps cause uh, more algal blooms. Uh, and and some other issues, but we've got groups that are working in the watershed to try and uh, help us, you know, help come up with a, a means and and processes and land use practices to help people develop land use practices that will protect the the watershed. Now I understand that the largest share of the watershed is in Brown County. Um, I think it's fifty six percent. Yeah, it's something like that. Yeah. And, yeah. the part, and actually, the city of Bloomington, almost none of the city of Bloomington is in the water. Now, that surprised me. That, I find that interesting. Where does, the, where does the Bloomington water go? Where does our wastewater go? No, no. I mean the rainwater. Most of the rainwater in Bloomington ultimately makes it into Clear Creek through all the smaller creeks in town. Uh-huh. Our wastewater ultimately is discharged into Clear Creek yeah. uh, at the Dillman plant. Well, it's also in the Bean Blossom Creek up on the north side. But uh, the water in Clear Creek, since we've been talking about Lake Monroe, I'll focus on that. Um, the water in Clear Creek uh, meets up with Salt Creek, which is the lake that feeds Lake Monroe. Yeah. But it meets up with Salt Creek downstream of the lake, so we don't beyond re- the dam. Beyond the dam, so yeah. we don't recycle any of our wastewater back into the into the lake. Now, but when you say wastewater, you're not just talking about dumping raw sewage, obviously. No, no, no. We treat okay. we treat it. <laughs> If one were to take a glass of wastewater that has been treated, could one drink it? I guess one could, but I wouldn't. Uh, it's not. It's not considered to be potable water. It has not been. It has not been fully, fully treated in terms of uh, suspended solids yeah. and and so forth. And there's still a chance that there might be a little bit of, of of uh, bacterial contamination in it. But, uh, but once it's treated. You could post-process it. You could filter it or put yeah. it through another plant. And that potable reuse idea is starting to happen in a, in a lot of communities. I don't think it's something that we're going to be exploring yeah. uh, anytime soon here. Is it an investment, a big investment of money to do that? It is. Uh, to, to treat that, that wastewater to drinking water standards takes uh, takes quite a bit of effort. Yeah. Uh, now, some places, though, what they do 
is they will take that uh, that treated wastewater and they'll infiltrate it into shallow aquifers. Huh. Uh, as it travels through the aquifer, it's further purified by nature, just like any other water that's infiltrated into aquifers. Right. And then it can be pumped out downstream and reused from there. So that does happen in some places, especially Southern California. There, there are places where they do that. Now, speaking of wastewater, Brown County, as we just said, you know, the largest share of the uh, watershed, there's a lot of septic tanks. Yeah, there are a lot of septic tanks in Monroe County, too. <laughs> Is that something to worry about? Certainly. Um, failing septic systems are a threat to uh, sur- surface water. And we, we would love to get rid of them if we can. There are some projects going on and some programs going on to help people either improve, correct, repair their, their septic systems. There are also some efforts going on to eliminate septic uh-huh. Septic systems. Now, the City of Bloomington Utilities has has a program for that. Uh, believe it or not, there are a number of septic tanks um, here in the city, yeah. uh, even on relatively small lots that have been there for a long time. And what we've done is we established a program, gosh, it was three or four years ago, um, to finance the replacement of, partially finance the replacement of septic tanks with sewer connections. So if you have a, a septic tank and um, your septic tank is failing, uh, you're not allowed to replace it if your home is within 300 feet of a sewer. Uh-huh. Then you're required uh, by, by the state and by the health department to, re- to connect to the sewer at that time. We are underwriting the connection fee portion of that um, as, part of our surf- as part of our stormwater program. So. Sure. Our MS4 stands for Municipal Separate Storm Sewer System. Yeah, our MS4 program is the Storm Sewer Program. Um, that, if you replace a septic tank at your home and connect to sewer, um, the our MS4 program will pick up your connection fee, which is about twenty eight hundred dollars. So yeah, it's, it's real not money. a small thing. Yeah, uh, but uh, it's part of our commitment to protect surface water and protect um, uh, runoff and streams in Monroe County. Just anybody can go to the city's website and get water quality data. Yes. How do they do that? Uh, And how do you do that? We have uh, what's called a laboratory information management system. And we, uh, all the samples that we take go into that. And then we publish uh, quite a lot of public data uh, to our website, which is at data.bloomington.in.gov. And if you go there, you can look over a number of water quality data sets. Some of them are drinking water. Uh, we also have uh, the COVID nineteen sampling program that we're that we we've been carrying on since July of twenty twenty. We do uh, uh, weekly sampling uh, and now biweekly sampling at a couple of sites here in town: uh, the Dillman plant and the Blucher Pool plant. Um, that program's been going on for quite a while. We were one of the first few. Uh, utilities in the state to start doing that. And I think we're one of two that have continued doing it continuously since then. So you're saying that COVID-19, the virus, can wind up in wastewater? It actually, apparently, the biochemical evidence that a person has COVID ends up in uh, fecal material even before you start sneezing. So it's con- the sam- wastewater sampling is considered 
uh, predictive of what's coming, what's coming on. Uh, we've been having really low numbers lately, so to keep uh, knock wood, it will stay that way. So it's not a matter of there's a ton of COVID-19 in the wastewater, so people are going to get sick. It's telling you that it's coming. Because people are excreting it. That's right. Yeah, it's telling you that if you start to see it spike up, that may be an indicator that we're starting to see um, another wave of it coming on. But uh, those data are published uh, every week. So uh, and the public is more than welcome to download those data sets and look at them. There can be lead and copper in treated water. Where does that come from? Well, uh, it, can, it comes from corrosion primarily. Our water mains, uh, we have no lead water mains, right. uh, but some of our oldest cast iron pipes have uh, some poured lead uh, gaskets in them. Oh, boy. Um, that's a, very little of that. Yeah. Um, most of the time when there's lead in the water, it came from the pipes in someone's own home. Right. Or in the service line, which is the pipe that goes from the water main to the house. We Now, that service line... Is that your responsibility or is it mine, the homeowner? Well, that's a little complicated. It's actually ah. both. Ah. Um, it's ours up to the meter ah. and it's yours from the meter to the house. Uh-huh. Now, um, this is kind of a, a bit of a story, but it's a good story. Uh, we are presently working on a service line inventory. This is required by EPA to find out where the lead service lines are in the city. Uh-huh. Um, you may have... A f- you may have, if you live in the city or anybody else who lives in the city and drinks our water, uh, you may have been uh, had us reach out to you to uh, look for a, uh, a right of entry permit that would allow us to go in and dig up your, dig a hole to see what the metal your service line is made from. Uh-huh. We go out with a vacuum truck and hydro excavation truck, and we we drill a hole. Uh-huh. And go down and look. At, we have a device that you can t- that touches the pipe, oh. and then tells you what it's made of. So we're building up a data set that can be used with uh, a machine learning model to help us refine where we want to look uh, for lead pipes. And we haven't we haven't found a lot of them, but we do know where there are some. And then once the inventory, we're required to complete the inventory this year or next, and then after that to begin replacing. Uh, those service lines. And so replacing it, part of it's ours and part of it's the customers. Uh, we're working on coming up with ways uh, to pay for all of that. Now, if you do have lead, it probably corroded from the pipes in your home. What we do is uh, we maintain the pH of the water in our distribution system at pH 9.2. What that does is it makes sure, it ensures that the water is tending to deposit a carbonate scale on the pipe instead of dissolving the pipe. So it's lining the pipe in it's a It's basically, yes. It's yeah. keeping a coating on the inside of the pipe that will keep it from dissolving lead. If you are ner- worried that you have lead pipes in your ho- home or that you might have a lead service line that's giving you some lead in your water, we test it for free. So if you call us at 812-339-1444 you, you, or call our customer service line, you can ask uh, for, for us to do a lead test at your home, and we do those free of charge. I don't suppose there's any taste or smell of lead not at the, in the water. Not at the concentrations you would have in, right. in drinking water, no. Because we are talking about tiny concentrations, but even tiny concentrations present a risk. Over time, yeah, it accumulates in your body. Yeah, so it will it will be a problem. So we are required to test for lead all the time. We have a lead testing program. 
and then we do that as a regular on a regular basis every yeah. month. So we have a we have a testing program to monitor for lead in our system. The lead and copper data are also at data.bloomington.in.gov. Now I have read that over the last boy, what we, maybe it's quarter century, maybe even more, people are doing more and more uh, psychiatric drugs. <laughs> They're peeing them out. They're going into wastewater. And essentially, people are finding that uh, traces of these drugs in lakes and streams. And estrogen and lots of other drugs. Estrogen too. Mm-hmm. from the birth control pill. Yes. What's the danger there, uh, if any? Well, here in Bloomington, um, it's it's really not a big risk for us because, as again, Lake Monroe is near the top of the watershed. So yeah. we don't have very many people upstream that are that are uh, discharging that sort of thing into our into our water supply but yeah farther downstream uh it's not it hasn't been identified to be a big problem yet but i think that's probably out on the radar somewhere yeah. uh one day it'll be some sort of microfiltration or membranes that you would need to get that stuff out for bloomington and whoever else is served by your plant mm-hmm. which is uh, all of monroe county all of Monroe County. What, what about outside of Monroe County? Any of the municipalities? Does Does Bedford get water from us? Does Nashville? Nashville gets a little, uh, but Bedford doesn't. Yeah, it's Nashville is the um, the only service we have outside of Monroe County. So a big long pipe had to be. <laughs> it's a big long pipe. Built. Yeah, yeah, it's a big long pipe. But they don't use a lot of our water, but they can use our water. Yes. Do you know what the total mileage is of your water mains? Yes, it's around 430 or 440 miles. And you have to keep a certain pressure in those mains at all times? Yes. Okay, so it's always there. It's not something where you can say, well, you know, everybody's asleep, nobody's using water right now, let's not worry about it. No, you can't. And in fact, if if there's a water main break and we go out to fix it and the pressure falls below a threshold... Uh, we have to do a boil water advisory and let the customers who so who may have experienced that's ex- yeah that's why um, if the uh, water pressure gets to be too low then you you can't be sure that uh, that the pipe is not is remaining fully disinfected and protected so um, when that happens we issue a boil water advisory we come back after the repairs are made we test the water and when the water's tested. Uh, to be safe again, then uh, then we put we lift the boil water advisory. Would you say now? Let's go back before it gets to your plant. Would you say our water is going to be safe in ten years? I I don't see a reason why it won't be. It w- it may be more expensive as the lake water quality changes. I I don't anticipate any major catastrophes that are going to that are going to befall us at Lake Monroe. So, I I feel safe about the water here. Now, you say as the water quality changes as if it's a definite. Well, uh, it's what's not changing. Definite. Well, what's changing is nu- mostly that nutrients or yeah. or uh, phosphorus and and nitrogen in the lake are uh, tending to increase. Now, that would be agricultural runoff. Some of it? Oh, <laughs> some of it uh, is uh, blue-green algae, for example, oh. are, are capable of, of fixing nitrogen. They actually will take nitrogen from the air and make ammonia. Uh, they make their own nutrients to some level. But phosphorus tends to be the limiting nutrient 
uh, that, that limits how fast this, that stuff grows in most uh, aquatic systems, at least freshwater systems. Phosphorus tends to be the, lim- the most important nutrient. So that'll come from agricultural runoff, but another place it can come from is there's a lot of it that's stored in the lake. Huh. So uh, when, uh, when the lake mixes during turnover events, that will release some phosphorus into the, uh, into the water column and organisms can grow on that. What's a turnover event? Um, so what happens is when in the summertime, the water at the top of the lake is warmer than the water at the bottom of the lake. And warm water is uh, less dense than, than cold water. Ah. So what happens is the, it, the water will stratify and there will be a portion of the lake called the hypolimnion at the bottom of the lake where there's virtually no oxygen. So layers of water. Yeah, the top part will be oxygenated and mixed by wind. The lower part won't be. And so uh, what happens is, though, when the fall comes and the temperature starts to cool off, eventually you get to the point where all the water has about the same density and then wind can cause the entire lake to mix. Yeah. So um, a lot of people will identify this. You can look in the lake and see that the the character of the water quality in the lake has changed. And that's just the mixing of the of the water that's at the bottom of the lake with the with the water at the top of the lake. So it's like a big bowl of water, and mm. and nature has got its wooden spoon, more or less. Yes. <laughs> PCBs, legacy pollutant. Yes. Do we monitor uh, the PCB plants that are the treatment plants that are still operating? Yeah, those are they're monitoring it all the time. Uh, Part of the every hour. uh, No, that's not. We don't do that at the plant. Um, We, I don't think we test our drinking water for PCBs. PCBs were never found in Lake Monroe, so Uh and and uh, and their disposal has been prohibited for a long time. So, but we don't have that in Lake Monroe. In fact, we didn't have it in Griffey either. Well, that's probably because most of Bloomington is not in the Lake Monroe watershed. Exactly. Yes. So it's going farther downstream if there is any soil runoff the, of PCB. Yes, that's right. Uh, oh. And if uh, and the Westinghouse is still operating treatment plants at a couple of locations yeah. in town. And they, they collect their data there on a regular basis as well. So that was just our good luck in that sense. Huh? Well, we're lucky to have Lake Monroe. And uh, for lots and lots of reasons. I have heard that Lake Monroe was built to last 100 years. What does that mean, if anything? A lot of times people will talk about uh, the life of a lake based on what they think sedimentation rates will be huh. um, until it's filled up enough that you probably can't use it very much anymore. What's it getting filled up with? Sediment. With, you know, you mean streams, like streams flow in and they carry soil. silt and yeah, silt okay. and soil and yeah, run, yeah. so forth in the runoff. I don't know that the 100 years really means 100 years. Uh-huh. Um, if I look at the intake, we actually had divers at the intake a year or so ago uh, because we're getting ready to replace the bar screens at, the, at our intake. The, they keep things like fish and oh, sticks oh. and things like that out of the pumps. But the divers didn't see a lot of evidence of of significant siltation at the intake structure uh-huh. itself. But upstream of there, upstream in the Morse Creek drainage, uh, you do see it. So I don't know what that means. Um, what it means to me is that no reservoir will be there forever. That was part of our conversation with Vic Kelson, Utilities Director for the City of Bloomington. WFHB and Limestone Post Magazine are cooperating in a series of deep dive reports on issues important to all of us 
in Bloomington and South Central Indiana. Thank you.